1: What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Cazenza and John Sheeran from the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We thought we'd jazz things up a little bit for you live listeners, bringing in some music to start the show. How is everybody? John, how's it going, man? Uh, Kind of an interesting week of news, which we will get to as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe not some of the best news, but hope you're hanging in there all right, my friend.
2: I am hanging in there. Um, So is the Bengals, despite you know, the proverbial sky falling on the injury report, but we'll get into that later.
1: Yeah, that's kind of part and parcel of what happens this time of year, unfortunately, and the Cincinnati Bengals just can't seem to catch too much of a break, even when they add these new pieces and new faces and all that kind of stuff. It just still seems to not uh, overly work out in their favor. But again, I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sheeran. Thanks for joining us on our weekly uh, a little bit more in-depth analysis show, we do the Monday show, which is the kind of news and notes, kind of run you through that here and there, and then we do the Wednesday show, and then quite often, uh, really throughout the month, we do listener questions live, which we'll be doing this week as well on Friday afternoon evening, so hopefully you can join us for that. We've got a lot on tap, we're going to talk about the injuries uh, to specific players, and where the Bengals could go from here, what this means. We'll talk about the offense and defense's performances in the early days of camp and whether that's encouraging, discouraging, uh, means nothing. We'll talk about all of that. And then we'll continue our potential breakout players list as well. We also have a couple of announcements which we we will get to at the end of the program. So stay tuned with us for a couple of uh, announcements as we go uh, forward here. If you're new to the show, you can catch it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, MegaPhone, iHeartRadio. You can catch it on our YouTube channel, in which you can subscribe to it. I believe the icon is right under John Sheeran's swoosh on his on his uh, shirt there. So click that, subscribe to the channel, and of course, you can get all the stuff on CincyJungle.com and its Facebook page. So thanks for the support. However, you may listen to the program.
2: Not sponsored by Nike, but Nike, if you're listening, we're we're open and available.
1: Yeah. By the way, we did. We, we are in talks to land a, sp- a sponsor for uh, something we will be announcing later in the show. So if you do want to sponsor the show, we're always looking. We don't really like to plug that. But if you do want to sponsor the show and you want to reach a broad audience, whether that's in the greater Cincinnati area or throughout the US, we actually have a lot of people listening to us internationally too, which is very flattering. If you, if you your business, your organization, what have you is maybe looking to expand a reach, give us a shout and we'll, we'll chat with you. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Nike's not sponsoring us. That's for sure. Not yet. At least, I guess <laughs> uh, let's, let's talk on the unfortunate injuries. You know, John, I, I took the air even later on Monday than I usually do to do the news and notes and more injury news just kind of kept coming later that day. And then on Tuesday, and it just was like, Oh man. So Um, I guess just to recap, AJ Green tweet, Tammy did not practice on Tuesday. Did I I didn't, I didn't know. I think he still sat out, uh, as well, right. Tuesday and, uh, still, still kind of on the men there. We, we think from all indications he'll be okay, but just not what you want to hear after what occurred to him in training camp, Sean Williams set to miss probably a couple of weeks. It sounds like it sounded initially far more scary calf injury. Rennell Wren, unfortunately, one of our potential breakout guys, uh, looks like he may be lost for the season with a quadriceps injury. Sounds pretty similar to me to what Gerald McCoy of the Cowboys recently suffered. And uh, gosh, who else am I missing? T. Higgins was hurt. He came back to the lineup on Tuesday. Am I missing anyone so far? Before we <laughs>
2: did you say the cornerback's name?
1: I didn't say. I didn't say Trey Wayne's name. That's probably a big one. Um, Trey Wayne's is, has. The fully torn pec went, underwent surgery, right? That mm-hmm. I believe really who you're uh, talking about. So um, he's set to miss probably a, a couple to maybe a few months, and that's kind of where we're at with things, John. Um, how How cynical are you at this point in terms of what we saw last year with so many injuries, really the past couple of years, and where the team is at just a few days into really padded practices and everything?
2: I feel like in general. There's nothing, especially this time of year, that makes the average fan of an NFL team feel more unique than pointing to the injury card. You can go on the ESPN.com backslash NFL backslash injuries, and there is a giant list of well over a 100 names, all players, who are dealing with injuries right now. The Bengals, I think, have officially like four guys listed as like questionable or out with the injuries that have occurred since the like the unofficial opening of training camp but like i could just go through this through this list for like a minute or two and list a lot of notable names who are also dealing with nagging injuries or potentially season-ending injuries every team is going through this like the the Arizona Cardinals are like the best example they just signed Robert Alford who's a cornerback in free agency so like a three-year deal in the offseason and he suffered a torn pec and is out for the year and their star receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, he's dealing with a nagging hamstring injury. And he's basically day-to-day right now. It's literally the same exact situation as the Cincinnati Bengals are dealing with. I don't see any Cardinals fans jumping off the boat and claiming that the season is a loss. Like, the, the the loss of Rennell Ren, it, it hurts. The loss of Trey Williams for the, the next eight weeks, it hurts. But these injuries, they, they don't tank your season like it would if Joe something happened to Joe Burrow. As long as you have the quarterback, as long as you have the majority of the roster in the starting lineup in, in place, like, these things are going to happen. And teams, every year, they deal with it and they move on. Like, th- 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 this is not anything new with any team. I think with the Bengals specifically, when you had what happened at Jickering last year in the beginning of the training camp, there's always, like, one or two very serious injuries, I guess, that happen within the first two weeks of training camp because that's when the pads come back on. That's when the contact begins. And that's when just freak things happen, like what, 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 what happened to Trey wins because he didn't even get hurt on the field. He got hurt lifting weights in the, like the, in the, in the locker room or in, inside the stadium. And like some of the things will happen in through. Some of the things will happen in non-contact situations. Like it, it doesn't matter. These, these things happen to every team, but it makes, I guess fans feel special if, if it happens to them too much, like, oh, this always happens to us. This is always why we don't reach our potential. Every team deals with this. And I understand it's frustrating to see, especially with a guy like green, who's continued to have some nagging injuries. But if I were to just say that, you know, he's just, it's a minor hamstring injury. Like It's just a little tightness in there. He's not going to go for a couple of days because of it, because he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to practice around it, even if he has a new quarterback. These things are not that big of a deal, but we'd like to make it into a bigger deal because it just makes us feel better.
1: Bengals fans have a tendency, and I'm super guilty of it as well. Bengals fans have a tendency to make some mountains out of molehills at times. And I think with the injury front, it's kind of the why me, why us type of cry to the heavens sometimes and uh every team deals with this it's really about how you respond how you've built your roster to help yourself overcome these inevitable injuries thankfully this year the Bengals did a lot more in free agency continue to do more in free agency after more injuries hit um and so you know that's They've set themselves up a little bit better this year than they have in years past to be able to rebound. Uh, one guy we failed to mention that was kind of in the injury camp. Uh, he didn't get injured in practices. Injured last year, Rodney Anderson, the running back, was waived. Uh, you know, after after failing a physical, just not not recovered yet, unfortunately. And uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with his career going forward. So let's talk possible, before we kind of talk about, you know, worries and all that kind of stuff, you know, do you think the Bengals search again, like get a Mike Daniels type of player or someone like that out there on the free agency uh, market to help you quell the losses short-term for uh, Sean Williams, long-term for Rodney Anderson, uh, you know, uh, Trey Wayne. I, I mean, we talked about it with Trey Waynes a little bit. We don't really see that happening. But, I mean, some of these other guys now that are piling up, a defensive tackle again with Ronell Wren. Is that something you see that they will dive back in there? Or will they do kind of the traditional Bengals thing and say, we're fine with what we have in-house? They've only got four interior defensive linemen, true de- interior defensive linemen on the roster right now, I believe.
2: Right. And that's got to be, like, the place that if they were to add someone else, that's where they would add it to which, you know, it's just compounding on what has happened. And they already went out and got a guy, Mike Daniels. But I think they have to wait until they actually put Rennell Ren on IR, if that's indeed where he's going to go, if he's going to miss the entire year. And uh, I've heard, you know, fans say Snacks Harrison, Damon Harrison is the guy that they should look at. Um, Yeah, honestly, yeah, they they, they need depth at at that position at at nose tackle because they don't really have a true backup to DJ Reader at that spot. And I think at the other... with the other uh, current holes on the roster, I think you already have in-house replacements already for them. With Sean Williams, I'm not sure they're going to be going for someone if he's going to be back, if not by the season opener, by the first couple weeks. You know, he's already going to be just a rotational guy at best, and you can just have Brandon Wilson take those snaps as the third safety. With Rodney Anderson, I wonder if they're going to just put him on IR after after he goes unclaimed through waivers, which I think is still in the process of doing right now. But they have, you know, it's not going to be hard to replace the guy who didn't play at all last year at a position that doesn't get a lot of rotation in the game at running back for them, anyways. So Samaj P. Ryan was brought back because they they really like him, and I think he'll he'll be fine as the fourth running back on the, on the depth chart behind Travion Williams. He probably won't be active anyways, so that, that's they're they're good to go there. With Ren, unfortunately, it's not just about having depth for DJ Reader. I think Ren was the replacement for Josh Tupo when they're in their their big. 5-2 packages has the 5-tech or the 4-I or the 34 defensive end. The only guy, I think, in, in-house in that they, they can have to replace him is Andrew Brown, who's been used a lot as an edge rusher over the past year or so when he's, when he's actually been on the field. But the guy was always an interior rusher coming out of college. That's where he thrived in the Senior Bowl. That's where he thrived in terms of production-wise at Virginia but for depth purposes, for the roster purposes, he was used as an edge rusher because they didn't have a lot of depth there. They just, just signed like two edge rushers off the market, albeit not very big guys or very big names. They're getting Khalid Kareem back eventually from the COVID reserve list. They have enough depth at the moment at edge rush. They don't have anyone left at five technique or just in general in depth at, at defensive tackle. So it's time to just end that exper- experiment of having Andrew Brown on the edge, put him inside, put him at the five technique he's, got plenty of length there he's got plenty of explosion to hold the point of attack make him also a rotational guy behind you know i can just keep that rotation fresh because they're just gonna need as many bodies there as possible and they can't fool around and have major brown on the edge anymore
1: you're seeing the article on CincyJungle.com uh, written by my esteemed co-host, John Sheeran there. And, uh, you know, it, it seems to be pretty significant what's happening with Rennell Wren and the Bengals are moving on. One one name, you mentioned, you know, I had someone ask in the live chat, who's Harrison? That's Damon Harrison. You called him Snacks. That's his nickname. Damon Harrison, a longtime veteran, played for the Giants and I believe the Lions most recently. Um, I had someone today... Uh, on Twitter mentioned, Hey, what about Marcel Darius? Um, you know, long time, big bodied guy, productive player, um, you know, bounced around the league a little bit. He's currently up there in age and he's a free agent. Maybe that's a guy who comes on a rental deal for the, for the Cincinnati Bengals, but we'll see. Uh, how worried are you at this point, John? Um, I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm worried because it's early, and I, I, think, I think I'm think i more, for lack of better terms, bummed out than worried in the Rennell Wren situation and the Trey Wayne situation personally because for differing reasons, I kind of had high hopes for Wren as he was slated to get a higher profile role in the defense. He was – Arguably my favorite pick of last year's draft class, which, looking back at things, isn't saying very much based on what they gave us last year. Uh, And then for Waynes, obviously, one of the big free agent gets, and he may not play for about half the season, maybe even more at this point based on the recovery. So, I mean, that you just kind of get a little bummed out by that. But, you know, I think the Bengals do have some players that they can – you know, work in a little bit. I think they can make a move or two, but I'm not really worried yet. But I will be worried personally if they don't make a proactive move to kind of help, especially interior defensive line. I will be worried then because, as we know, 16 game season as it's currently slated, uh, and more injuries are inevitable and it's going to happen. So they're going to need more contingency plans.
2: And Those contingency plans can be helped by the fact that they can have 16 guys in the practice squad like Trey yeah. Deshaun and a couple other guys uh, who are just little-known names on the defense line. Like They're going to keep a lot of guys there on the practice squad with the help of having four extra spots there. Um, again, it, it depends on what they do in terms of roster moves of getting these guys on the pup list or on the IR that frees up open roster spots. And Also, you can have as many guys come off of IR this year as you want. It's not It's unlimited. It's not like 2016 where they chose Cedric Pyramid over William Jackson, who was also coming off that torn pectoral as well. So I'm not, again, I'm not worried about these specific injuries derailing your season, because if your season lies on your second cornerback and essentially a rotational defensive tackle, your season's tanked anyways. Like the, the green injury is something to, to monitor. And I think that doing that, they're keeping extra precautions. Essentially, he's the new Tyler Eifert at this point, a guy that they're just going to minimize the workload up until the season. And once the season happens, of course, they're going to maximize the, using A.J. Green because he's A.J. Green, and he makes the offense flow in a way that it doesn't flow when he's not out there. So, you know, keeping Green healthy is important. tegan re-emerging or getting back into the swing of things as he's working through his own hamstring injury. That's also important with with how the depth of that wide receiver position is going to go. Um, I guess there's a slight worry with, you know, Burrow not getting a lot of reps with some of those guys because also John Ross is away from the team now as well. So really, the only esteemed established veteran that he's working with this Tyler Boyd. And we can talk about the connection he's forming in there with as well, but it all depends on how this offense is going to go with Burrow and keeping him healthy is the most important thing at all. Like Trey Wayne's losing him sucks right now around specifically. Like at this point next year, he's going to be 25, 20, 26 years old. He's only going to have about 11 games worth of experience up to his career at that point. And as a guy who was still putting it together from a technical perspective, like it's going to be a tough road for him to, to get back into a prominent role on this defense and therefore for a long-term outlook, it's going to be tough for him to establish himself in this league going forward because as, as, as athletic and as strong as he is, you know, but that, that lack of experience with how old and how old and how far into the, yeah. his career that he is, that's going to, it's just going to be hard for him and it's going to be an uphill battle. And that's kind of, it's kind of why I think teams a lot of times prioritize youth for the draft picks. Like he was, he was one of the older prospects that they drafted last year. And the fact that he didn't have a lot of, I guess, experience leading up to it. And then now he just, he's had two major injuries that have ended uh, his first two years. That's going to be tough. But that I guess is my biggest worry from a roster standpoint. Like how are they going to manage that depth now? And if they do utilize Andrew Brown, there it'll alleviate the pain a little bit. And if they do bring another body, instead of having a guy like Trey Deshaun take over that backup role behind DJ reader, that'll make me feel a little bit better. But in terms of the an overarching season outlook, these injuries don't really mean that much or move the needle
1: look it's an interesting point with the wren uh, situation him being old for the amount of years accrued and everything the 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 thing that's kind of ironic about that John is with the age situation with wren is he's older but he was still viewed as a project guy right i mean usually the young guys that are that uh, you, you kind of figure those are the project guys guys that didn't show much in in college but they have. Um, you know, they've got all the the physical traits that you you look for. Well, that was Wren, but he was up there in age. And maybe that caused him to slip a little bit into the fourth round. But like you said, now time is an issue in terms of his career because he's older and and he's a player this year that you would have hoped that with increased snaps, he'd get his feet under him and then he would show – the ability to match the potential, um, and you've almost got not to the same extent, but you've kind of got a Margus Hunt type of situation now, where you know uh, he's still a project in the making, and he's not getting a lot of snaps in his first couple of years, and that that is worrisome. John, we're also getting a lot of comments here in the in the chat, and I feel like we have to say this every single show. You know, I'm seeing uh, our good friend Mike Holbrook, O-line is the uh, – Derek Jones, O-line is a concern. Why aren't they going after O-line, 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 O-line? Look, guys, they like the offensive line much more than we do. They like the offensive line much more than we do. They've, that, that is painfully apparent. And there was a puff piece by Jeff Hobson, God bless him, uh, a Bobby Hart puff piece a little bit that was talking about how guys were lifting him up as a leader in the offensive line position room. Uh, that must be so if they're publicly saying that. But some other things make us wonder otherwise. But, you know, I mean, they we wanted them to do more, maybe get a, a higher profile guy in free agency more so than Xavier sufilo They like the offensive line state more than we do. And that's, I will. that's probably – I mean, they still might get a guy, John. But, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> – that's where we keep coming to it with the offensive line situation.
2: Yeah, the offensive line isn't changing unless they themselves also experience injury issues. Right. But uh, going back to the to the defensive line real quick, I will say that when I I looked up how many snaps the Bengals are losing now at nose tackle from the losses of Ryan Glasgow, Josh Tupo, and Renell Rennon last year, the three of them combined Minimal. for 99 snaps at nose tackle. Like, yeah. honestly – even for having three defensive tackles on the field for about 30% of the time, they didn't use a lot of guys at the zero or one tech spot. It, it was a lot. It was, technically they cheated because they had had guys at like the two I, which is essentially almost a B gap player at that point, And that's kind of how PFF charts it like that. But there are ways to compensate around not having a nose tackle on the field. You can either sugar the A gap with your linebackers. You just have guys scrape over the top there, or just have a guy at that two, I spot uh, right over the guard. So, you know, they didn't utilize a lot of nose tackles aside from major billings last year. And I think that's kind of going to be the case this year with DJ Reader taking over for billings now. They're just going to have some type of rotation there and just trying to compensate the losses. Maybe, maybe they add one more body there because they just want to have a distinguished backup to DJ Reader in case something happens to him. God forbid. But right now, they're not losing that. Like the, the losses of Glasgow, Tupo, and Ren, they, they suck for death purposes. But in terms of actual in game participation and, and impact, they're not really losing a lot of snaps here.
1: Totally, totally valid, and I think it's just more. The Bengals want to be multiple on defense. They want to be versatile on defense. They want the rotation up front, and they want to be fresh. They want and and ironically, the rotation and all of that was also kind of in an effort not only for effectiveness purposes, but also for health purposes for guys like Geno Reader, so they're not getting completely worn out uh, and potentially get. Injuries uh, because of so much wear and tear. But unfortunately, that just, <laughs> that's not uh, totally coming to fruition there. But not great news on the injury front for the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience.
1: but transitioning to a little bit of on-field performance from what we've seen so far, John Sheeran. There has been a lot of optimism in terms of what we've seen from Joe Burrow and company. Uh, A lot of names, AJ Green before he went down, seemingly looked very good in these kind of semi-walkthrough routes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, When the pads kind of came on, though, and not full, pads, but kind of the, the helmets and shells type of thing and doing some red zone drills. There were some struggles, not only by Joe Burrow, but by Ryan Finley, both through an interception on their first day of kind of padded practice. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, by the way, sounded like an absolute maniac uh, on defense. Now, there are a couple ways to look at this. And one way is, hey, the Bengals invested a massive amount of money on the defensive side of the ball to improve themselves there after ranking low or last in many major statistical categories the past two seasons. So maybe this is a good sign. Maybe this is a good sign that the defense is showing marked improvement because of all the acquisitions they made. Or maybe it's a bad sign because the rookie showing his inexperience. There is an infamous uh, GIF video out there, GIF, whatever you want to say it, I believe it's from James Rapine of, of Sports Illustrated, where it's kind of the the quote unquote scramble drill. Um, you know, that's the Bengals are getting kind of getting raked over the coals for that one. But it, so there's there's are you worried? Are you impressed by the defense, or do you say this doesn't even matter right now?
2: Even in this year, with everything that's happened, I'm. I'm almost glad that we have the same two things to really talk about training camp an apparent onslaught of injuries and how great the defense looks in the beginning <laughs> of training camp every single year for the past three, four years that I've done this for a living. Now it's been all oh, the defensive line looks so good. They're going to be so great this year. They're going to have 50 sacks. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be put into an early grave and every year's Oh wait, the offensive line just kind of sucks. And we don't know that yet. It's, it's it was literally the first day of pads. And I believe at the very end, it was a, it poured down rain. And of course, you know, the Bengals are right. practicing outside. So I think, I think Burrow fumbled a snap as well. It, it, it was the first day of pads, first day of actual live going around and flying all over the place in, in real life football. And Burrow himself just said like, you know, it's the red zone. Things happen faster here and they've happened faster down LSU, but he at least had time to acclimate to it. This was his first day of actual pads practicing with, with, his new team. And it's been months of just virtual preparation. and Now just only a few weeks of on-field preparation with just, with just the catapult suits on, but now they're actually putting on actual shells and knee pads and stuff. And things are real. And and Carlos Dunlap is a lot bigger, a lot more intense than any sec defensive end he's going up against. And unfortunately, Bobby Hart's not that much different than the right tackle he had in LSU compared to a talent standpoint. So things are flying fast and this is going to happen. There's going to be bumps in the road for Burrow in practice and training camp and whatever intrasquad squad scrimmages are going to have. And they're going to happen in the actual regular season this year too. Things are going to, things are going to happen. He's going to have lessons to learn. I think he's
1: taking the right mindset with it as well. The young quarterback definitely does not lack confidence after uh, these, this supposed struggle in some of these drills. He came out and said, you know, it, I guess some reporter had asked him about if he feels nervous about the week one start And I think his quote was, when have you ever heard that I've been nervous? Um, Just kind of basically single finger salute to that question, I guess. Uh, So he still is not lacking confidence, and that's a good sign. I guess, do do you expect that the offense would have been a little bit further ahead, though? Um, in these early practices or is this just kind of status quo with all of the you know the elements and all that kind of stuff i i would i guess I would have liked to have seen and heard a bit more uh, kind of an even struggle back and forth right you know offense is making some plays defense isn't and you know you kind of had more of a, a glowing review of the defense that's just my personal standing but again I kind of take it a little bit with a grain of salt. The reason, the reason I do kind of it, – it messes with me a little bit, though, John, is because, you know, you would, do, you would normally do these drills and then, you know, you would see a preseason game and you would see how some of these scenarios would play out, albeit in a less intense atmosphere than a regular season game. But you would be able to see these guys kind of learn from some of these things in practice and then put it in a, in a preseason game and hopefully mature that way they're not getting that opportunity this year, and that's a little worrisome.
2: Now, that spiel I just made was was a lot of fun, personally, but there's also good things that are happening with the offense, too. Like He had a really good day on Monday, the day before the pads came on, and he had a, he, he had some bright moments when the pads came on, too. He's making a very sharp connection with Tyler Boyd right now, and that was mm-hmm. almost to be expected because of how successful he was throwing to Justin Jefferson in a very similar slot receiver role at down in at LSU, and he's also giving Mike Thomas a lot of opportunities, too. Mike, Mike Thomas is playing in. I would assume for John Ross and when they're in three wide receiver sets, on um, as the Z receiver, and he caught a touchdown in pads. I think Boyd caught a hand, uh, a couple as well. Um, he's given on Tate some looks as well. So he, he's forming chemistry and cohesion with some of these receivers. And by all accounts, like when the ball looks good, it looks really good, and it's accurate, and it's right in his hands, and all that stuff. It's everything that has been advertised about Burrow since he was drafted. So there are still positives to take away from this, but you know, it, it, it's still actual NFL defenses that are going up against the rookie quarterback. And this is just kind of to be expected. Now, I think Dave Lappin put it best in his training camp report the other day. You know, the defense is just reacting and going with emotions, but the offense is all about rhythm and timing. That takes longer in terms of working together, especially with a quarterback that has never taken an NFL snap before. So, obviously, even with Andy Dalton, you know, it still took some time every single offseason to reacclimate with the guys going that he's going up, up against and going through this with. And with the defense, it's just easier for them to just react and just play on, on their toes, especially with the fact that, you know, Zach Taylor hasn't opened up the playbook yet at all. Like, I think he made an effort to say that you know, they're not taking any deep throws, they're not taking any long shots yet. They don't want to strain any guys' legs too soon. So it's a lot of mundane, in-your-face type of stuff, and it's not, nothing really too complex for the defense to, to get all confused with. So it, it's nice that the defense are making plays and capitalizing it, but it's there's still a lot to be learned about both sides of the ball.
1: So in case people didn't know uh, what I was talking about in terms of the Joe Burrow scramble situation, uh, here it is on Twitter. I <laughs> at Prime Singletary relayed the video. You can see here that's Burrow seemingly running for his life. Uh, now, John, I think we all know that this is, I, I think from what we understand is this is pretty intentional. Uh, in terms of what this drill is supposed to entail. Now, obviously, the defense isn't going to hit Joe Burrow, but I think there, it was kind of a see-how-he-does-under-pressure type of situation. <laughs> but a lot of people have taken this video and just ran with it and saying, oh, he's going to have the shortest career. I mean, you can see the caption here on this specific tweet. Um, so, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I assume that this is kind of an intentional thing by the Bengals and the offensive line to kind of not – further smear what what this video is showing correct
2: the dude can scoot but in that video he just looked like shaggy from (laughs) scooby-doo
1: yeah 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 um look it's it's still it's still early and to relay from both segments to relay something that kind of plays into both the injury factor and the inconsistency factor. Not only is it early. Yeah. John mentioned the rain as well, but John, this is the unique, uh, you know, you don't want to keep using this as an excuse, unique off season. Um, You know, potentially some of these injuries are because of players not being around the team in, in certain spring and summer workouts, mini camps, all that kind of stuff. Maybe that plays into it. And again, this rapport that could have been built in rookie mini camps and all that kind of stuff that just was not available because of the pandemic. So maybe, and, and again, with the injuries, the Bengals are in the same camp as every other team in the NFL, because every other team in the NFL has the same handicap where they have not been able to do that. So week one might be a little sloppy folks.
2: (laughs) I do want to say this though, because I know it's, it's the common tropes of like having like, Know, to to ease a rookie quarterback into the system and to give him like freebies and short passes and whatnot. But the thing I loved a lot about Andy Dalton's rookie season was the guy was like a tr- he was the truest form of a gunslinger compared to the rest of his career. Like there were there was a lot of deep shots, especially to A.J. Green in that year. And it led to a lot of highlight plays, to be honest with you honest, It led to a lot of great memories and great moments in the nine wins that that team had. And I think with Burrow, you're getting a guy who I think right out of the gate is going to be even more Radical in terms of just just letting it sling and creating plays on its own. I think it's going to matter so much, especially with an offensive line that's just not going to be above average by any sense of the word. Like there's going to be a lot of plays that are being broken down, and it's going to be relied on Burrow's athleticism to escape the pocket and make throws on the run and that's going and that's so important and imperative especially not only just with a bad offensive line but with a court with, with, but now with a quarterback that has seen NFL defenses for the first time and things aren't always going to work out in the first 3 or 4 seconds when the ball is supposed to come out and i think it's also kind of why it's not the biggest worry in the world that AJ Green isn't out there cuz i don't like Zach Taylor said himself, he doesn't need to be out there for every single practice. He knows what who he is. And when he gets out there on the field September thirteenth, he's still gonna be A. J. Green. Tyler Boyd's still gonna be Tyler Boyd. John Ross is still gonna be as fast as John Ross is. Like these guys are gonna be fine. They don't need a lot of extra time to practice with each other especially now you have a quarterback that can just create on his own and operate out of structure it's going to be so important especially for a rookie quarterback where you know not everything is going to happen like he wants it to happen in pre-snap so having that post-snap adjustment especially with a guy like Joe Burrow who can operate out of structure so much is going to be important is why it, it can alleviate I guess some of your worries with some of the chemistry and you know cohesion issues I guess
1: more to the point uh You know, Zach Taylor and company may be exercising some extra caution this year when it comes to some of these injuries. You know, Jeff Hobson relayed that Sean Williams looks like he'll be ready for the opener. Zach Taylor himself mentioned when it comes to A.J. Green, I've already seen enough to know what we need to see for week one. You mentioned, obviously, he's a very seasoned veteran. Um, You know, they took it easy with T Higgins, eased him back in as a rookie. He had kind of a hamstring thing, my understanding there. So maybe they're just maybe this amount of these this amount of players that is out of the lineup is also in part of a little bit of an extra caution because of the pandemic and the off season. And maybe that's why you know you're seeing some of these guys more on the bench, or maybe you will see them mending their injuries longer. As a precaution, so that the Bengals won't be in the position that they're that they were in in 2018 and 2019 when their roster was absolutely decimated by injuries. So, John, um, I do want to play th- this one as well. This was the the clip, I believe, and it's courtesy of Lindsey Patterson, who is uh, a Cincinnati media member and actually joined Matt Minick on his Chalk Talk podcast not too long ago. I believe it's her birthday. Yesterday, today, something like that. So, happy My birthday,
2: birthday. Lindsay.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is the um, the video here. Let's see if we can cue this up and uh, see if we can get this going. feel,
2: given the current makeup of the offseason and things leading up to the game, that you can be
1: ready for week one as a rookie quarterback. Very confident. I've. Feel very comfortable with the offense right now. I'm very comfortable with my guys, um, and
2: I think you know, I think we're going to be pretty good on offense. I'm, I'm excited,
1: more so than nervous. I would say.
2: Is that emotion surprise you that that you you aren't nervous? I mean, it's human nature. You know, starting a new job like. That. Absolutely not. Have you uh, you ever heard anything else about me about being nervous?
1: Point taken. So, uh, you can't really see all of it because he's got the mask on. But this quarterback, as I mentioned, does not does not lack confidence. John, he is he is a guy that is very confident. And I think actually, if he if he didn't have the mask on, you would have seen a very sly grin that that Burrow grin that we've seen at LSU and in the draft process. Um, so hey. If if there are people who are worried out there, the quarterback is not. Even after a rough day of practice, even if it's one practice, he's not worried. Maybe we should just relax. Take it. Take a page out of the Aaron Rodgers playbook, right? Relax. Isn't that?
2: <laughs> we got. got to see relax This I I want to say relax This, com- this comment section, but there's a. Very engaging Dalton and Burrow conversation popping off, and I don't want to get in the way of that. But also Chance White in the Facebook comment section. I seriously wonder if there is something in the water atmosphere of Cincinnati that causes players to more easily be injured than they might be in other places. Buddy, I've lived in Cincinnati my entire life. I've been around the country and I've been a lot a lot of places in the world. My knees work fine. Like there's nothing in the air here. It's it's just it's the NFL. It's just it is what it is.
1: It is. And we do know, I've mentioned this on a couple of shows, we do know that in years past, the Bengals medical staff, conditioning staff have have come under fire for the way they treat injuries, for the, their conditioning and all that kind of stuff. We know that players have taken them to test. That was further in the past. Um, and as I've mentioned, Zach Taylor brought in a new strength and conditioning staff last year upon his arrival. So, you know, and, and Marvin Lewis made steps, to bring that medical staff up to snuff, bring in the, the, the right people there. So, you know, we're, we're giving the team the benefit of the doubt and that they have the right professionals in both of those areas, um, to, to do whatever they can to prevent and heal these up as much as possible. But, uh, I mean, look, you mentioned it, John, there's a, there's a big list out there. It's findable. You can, you can see, all the injuries that players are and teams are, are suffering through right now, it just seems because we are in that fan, we are in the fan base that it just you're in it, so it seems more dramatic. And then, of course, really what has happened over the past couple of seasons with the immense amount of injuries, it just you know it's easy to to have a knee jerk reaction, but that's that. This is the Orange and or Black Insider Bengals podcast. We've been talking all things training camp with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, A little bit different-looking training camp this year, but the the boys are out there practicing, getting work in, and this new-look team is showing us a lot so far. A a lot and a little, I guess, um, because of the preseason issue. But we appreciate you joining us. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Kozenzi. You can get this show wherever you get your podcasts on audio platforms, or you can get it on our YouTube channel as well as Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. Before we get to our potential breakout players list John so that people don't miss the announcement at the end of the show I'm gonna I'm gonna make a couple of announcements if you're okay with that my friend
2: drop the hammer dude
1: uh, boom uh look so we we teased a little bit on Monday uh we are going to have we're going to be doing a pre-game show before Bengals games this year. We've never done pregame shows. Many of you know that I I hop on the air for most post-game videos to uh, recap the games, do analysis, all that kind of stuff, even answer some questions sometimes from you guys. But we're going to do a pregame thing. It's going to be kind of more of a casual atmosphere, almost a tailgate type of thing. And I got to credit Matt Minnick on this one because, you know, he's kind of saying, how are people going to tailgate this year? We should give them something, do something. So it's probably going to be more of a casual style, probably have some giveaways, some guests, and it's going to be a combination of uh, myself, John, and Matt kind of talking about the game coming up and a little more casual atmosphere. So we're going to give you even more coverage on Cincy Jungle and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Join us before games if you are able Obviously times vary depending on when the Bengals play that that specific week, but we will be doing that. And we hope that you can join us and uh, get your own tailgate for the Bengals. Get get everything started with us as the Bengals go to kickoff. So join us for that. The other thing um, we have on tap is a potential interview uh, coming up in the very near future with Mike Daniels. We're going to be speaking further with his representation Uh, We spoke, I I spoke a little bit earlier that today actually with his representation and they are interested in having him not only be featured on cincyjungle.com, but on uh, uh, this podcast. So uh, we'll be letting you know if and when we will be having him on the show. He is uh, very excited to be in Cincinnati from the discussion I had with his representation and uh, very excited to let the fan base know who he is and what he's about and all that good stuff. So uh, we, it sounds like we will be having Mike Daniels on pretty soon. So excited about that. And we will definitely let you know when that occurs. Uh, We also uh, mentioned that uh, the pregame, we won't say quite yet because we are finalizing this as well, but we will have a, um, a flagship sponsor of our pregame show. So we'll definitely let you know as that comes up. And if you are interested in sponsoring this show, we'll definitely have some conversations with you about that. We appreciate the support. All right. Enough announcements, John. Let's get to the potential Bengals breakout player list. I think we skipped this last week uh, as in a matter of time and stuff. But uh, who do you have this week?
2: Two days after the 2019 season concluded, the Bengals went out and signed or claimed, I guess. I don't know what the terminology is. Two cornerbacks. And I think that was when we should have known that they were meaning business in terms of changing the whole dynamic of the cornerback room. It's why we saw such a turnover at the position, the release of BW Webb, the release of Drake Patrick, Dark Weston Art moving on to bigger, better things for him. Whole bunch of turnover at the cornerback position. And I think that's kind of why a guy like Winston Rose would stick around longer than maybe someone of his re- reputation or his NFL resume would indicate because as a guy who's already 26, 27 years old, he hasn't accrued a single season, a year in the NFL because he's been in the Canadian Football League for the past three years. And I think a lot of fans already know about Winston Rose, at least at the surface level, playing three years in the CFL, the last two seasons having, I think, 14 combined interceptions, including nine last year which is the reason why i think he was on the radar for the Bengals in the first place and and when they signed him like you know it it was cool and that was a nice factoid about him i didn't really know much about where he was in in, in college and what he did in the nfl whenever he went to the nfl before he went to the cfl but but i'm like all right fine it's cool and like this it's just depth of the cornerback position maybe he makes a few plays in training camp or whatnot you know, and you don't want to give Winston Rose or a player like him a surefire starting opportunity unless it just happens to be where that's the, just the only situation or option available for you. And with the injury to Trey Waynes, you know, Darius Phillips is the guy and he's going to get the first reps there. He's going to get the first opportunity to take over that, that, that spot. But having Rose rotate right behind Phillips, I think it, it, it's an indication and inclination that, you know, they're serious about him, and it, it wasn't just fluff. It, like they signed him immediately when they could. Right after the season was over, they kept him on, uh, signed him to like a to a, a reserves contract as well. Like he like he's here, and is, I think it's just more than just depth. And whether or not he starts over Phillips, I think he's making the fifty three man roster. And if he just happens to just make him some flashes in the next few weeks before the season starts, he may himself just sneak into the starting lineup and i don't know how long he will last when he's there but you can't really teach those ball skills like someone i think said it before like 14 receptions in two years in the cfl is a hell of a lot more impressive than the nfl not not obviously the quarterback play isn't as good right and passing right. were inaccurate but the field's wider and he has to cover more ground like that that should be a factor in that situation so a guy that not a lot of people knew about coming into this year is now has the opportunity to make something out of his career and it's not just him just being around here just to fill out the roster. I think he's here to seriously make the seriously make the 53-man roster in Week 1. And if Darius Phillips doesn't continue to show like he's the cornerback that ended the 2019 season, it might be Winston Rose's
1: job to lose. You can see the stats here. 14 interceptions in the last uh, – in, in 40 total games played, really. Uh, you know, the, the 14 picks came the last two seasons in 36 games games played. So, I mean, you're talking almost, you know, if you're looking at where he got his interceptions and his extent, more extensive playing time, you're almost looking at a, you know, close to one interception, every other game type of average, um, which is pretty impressive. I had someone, John, talk to me. uh, I I put something up about Darius Phillips on Twitter. I had somebody talk to me about, uh, because I wrote something that he is a gambler, uh, he, he makes big plays and he's a gambler. I had someone tell me, well, you know, I, I'd kind of take that. Um, and, and I said, I would too, because this defense has lacked big plays. And hopefully this year, Darius Phillips, I believe he's one of the guys you picked uh, for this list earlier, uh, like a few weeks ago, but hopefully Darius Phillips is a guy that as he gains snaps, he will have more consistency Winston Rose might be a guy that is also a a little bit of a gambler type as he makes the transition from CFL to NFL. But if he is a guy to me, if he'll give up a play or two here here or there, a big play here here and there, but he comes up with the big play anywhere close to as frequently as he did in the CFL, I would kind of take that because this defense needs those tide-turning type of plays and turnovers. And I think that's why – They made those moves for Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander. Yes, they're good tacklers, but they want guys who can get their hands on the football, turn the ball over, and really give them those momentum swinging plays. And I think Rose maybe brings that even with this big transition from the CFL to the NFL.
2: Get your hands on the football. It's It's a good segue into your breakout player.
1: Yes, it is. It is. Uh, Mike Thomas is my guy. Not the New Orleans Saints Mike Thomas. Uh, Mike Thomas is a guy that the Bengals brought in this year. Obviously has ties with Zach Taylor from the Rams. Mike Thomas was a guy, for those of you who are big Joe Goodberry fans out there, which I assume almost everybody is who listens to this program. Mike Thomas was one of Joe Goodberry's favorite draft guys in that specific class. Now, there were two Mike Thomases in that class. We're not talking about the Ohio State one. We're not talking about the guy that's in New Orleans and gets like 120 catches a year. We're talking about Mike Thomas, the kid from Southern Missouri and uh, a guy that Mississippi, Mississippi, rather. Thank you. Uh, And a guy who has come in and, you know, hasn't really, has been kind of a special teams guy, has been uh, a guy that hasn't really been a heavy contributor on offense, but The reason why I went this route, and it may be a stretch, especially with an odd and Tate still emerging, T. Higgins returning to the lineup, John Ross inevitably, we hope, returning to the lineup. He's, by the way, he is working out in California while he's tending to his uh, son's positive COVID test. So he is out there still working out and making time for his family. We hope everything goes well there, but we assume if everything goes okay, John Ross will be back as well. Let's cross our fingers on that one. So you kind of say, well, where does Mike, Mike Thomas fit at this point? Well, Mike Thomas has been making plays, as John alluded to, in some of these early practices. He's building a rapport with Joe Burrow, and that kind of thing goes a long way. Now, if Mike Thomas can prove to be a special teams guy, uh, that's something that would play in his favor as well. But um, he, he has a little bit of an uphill battle, I guess, to make this team, but he is showing things in camp early on that make him valuable. Now, if you look, if you look at the touchdowns, he hasn't scored a touchdown in the NFL. He's only got 10 career receptions and he kind of got buried on the depth chart uh, in Los Angeles because of many players, Robert Woods and Cooper cup and all those guys that he he fell behind. So, you know, he's got an uphill, uh, battle here but i think that these practices are showing that he's comfortable in zach Taylor's system he knows where to go and we know that joe burrow likes to spread the ball around i think mike thomas can maybe make this roster maybe not be a fantastic statistical guy but a valuable guy on third down a reliable guy because of the rapport that he's building with joe burrow early on
2: admittedly 2016 was like one of the first years i actually took like Scouting seriously, I guess. And I loved Mike Thomas as well in that class. I think. Like I like I I I, was, I saw OC Mike Thomas play and I saw SM SMU Mike Thomas play, and only one of them was making these acrobatic catches in the end zone. Like Mike Thomas was thriving in that southern Mississippi offense. And I think he should have been drafted long before the sixth round when he actually was drafted. And it should be noted that for a six-round pick from 2016 to continually make the roster on an offense that was so deep of receiver for four years straight. I think it does say something a little bit like he didn't do anything in the regular season at all for the, for that offense, but over 200 snaps in, in the preseason in his career over, I believe in terms of receiving wise over 200, over 200 receiving yards in, in his preseason career. Cause it has, a ha- has um, no touchdowns, but only a handful of drops as well. Like he made the rounds, the preseason every single year and then special teams in the actual regular season, he was a regular contributor as well. So, Zach Taylor when he first went to Los Angeles. Mike Thomas was entering his second year. He saw him for a couple of years. They only signed one, you know, free agent on, on at the receiver position. That was Mike Thomas. And I think it says awesome that he's the first guy up after John Ross is is not with the team right now. Like that, you know, they had a, other players like Stanley Morgan and Damian Willis, who just came off the pup list that were able to take the snaps, but it was Mike Thomas. It, it was him. It was a guy who has been in the Zach Taylor been in an offense that Zach Taylor's familiar with for a couple of years now. So I think that says a lot. And it wasn't really something that I really expected, I guess. I think for the, for the most part, I thought that a guy like Willis or Morgan would have the upper hand in terms of making the roster. But at this point, like I would be shocked if they keep seven receivers, if Mike Thomas wasn't one of them. And like we saw last year, this, this is the position that just gets pummeled with injury sometimes. And that, that talent just doesn't go away. Like he didn't have the opportunity to do so in Los Angeles and offense that consistently had, you know three great receivers on the field at the same time but now if if you have depth issues and you have a quarterback that's you know just entering the nfl and you have an offensive play caller and zach taylor is willing to do anything i think this is the time for mike thomas to do something if the opportunity is there
1: we know that this league is a you know who you know league and uh it's a league built on connections um as really a, a lot of a lot of businesses or organizations are i mean it's kind of who you know and the connections you've built in the past and the wide receiver position is a really interesting group this year john and we know that it's going to be a scrum and we also know that this is a year where zach taylor is really putting his thumbprint on this football team and on this roster uh this is a guy that he's just he's familiar with, and like I said, he it's a guy that Zach it's not a high profile free agency signing, but it's a guy that Zach Taylor knows he can bring in, and he can trust to do the things that he wants them to do in this offense. Now, what that means for a special teams guy like Alex Erickson, what it means for an Auden Tate, what, it, what you know, what it means for some of these other guys. I don't know. And if Mike, if whether that means Mike Thomas might be the last guy out as a cut, I don't know. But I see him. And again, when we do these potential breakout (laughs) lists, we always have to throw out the disclaimer. Breakout is a relative term. So uh, it kind of depends on that. But I I see him kind of being a guy that comes in. I would have this is a guy that really would have a preseason would have really helped him in terms of this making this roster. Uh, preseason games would have helped him make this roster i think and uh unfortunately he's not getting that opportunity but he does have the leg up in the in the form of familiarity with zach taylor so that's who we've got this week uh did i miss anything else on that john
2: no but like I i i rarely watch like other teams preseason games i remember watching the Rams last season because Mina Kimes, the ESPN NFL analyst, was actually in the booth doing those. And I wanted to see how she was doing covering Rams games. And he just caught like a 51 yard bomb in like the third preseason game. I believe, with most, if, if, if it wasn't the starters, it was just right after the starters went out the field. Like, yeah, this guy still has the juice. He still has the ball skills. Like, for only being 6'1, 190 pounds, he's got a, a very wide and acrobatic catch radius. And I think that work wonders with a guy like Joe Burrow, who is very precise in placing on those deep balls. So, I'm glad he's getting the opportunity to play in a role that John Ross would usually play if he was here. And again, if they go seven receivers, which I think is very likely at this point, I think he should absolutely be one of them and having that special teams experience and having that experience of working, you know, with Zach Taylor in the same offense, I think that's going to help him be active on game days as well.
1: Derek Jones in the live Facebook chat says this has to be one of the deepest wide receiver cores in the league. Don't tell Cynthia Freeland of NFL.com that she ranked the Bengals at number 20, in terms of overall strength at the wide receiver group. So uh, not a lot of respect outside of Cincinnati for this group, but I think there's a lot of potential there. I think there's a lot of potential for some some high output there. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We're going to get on out of here. We try and do two potential breakout players list, time permitting, but we're, we're getting close to that hour mark, so we're going to get on out of here. John, uh, let's drop the mic. What do you have?
2: Anthony, I don't know if um, you watch a lot of Padres baseball, because I certainly don't. Um, and I didn't see this incident happen with Fernando Tatis Jr., who hit a grand slam when the Padres were already up by about a score that could put the opposing team in the mercy rule. And, of course, like traditional baseball does, it makes a big deal out of nothing. And it started the unwritten rules debate as well. But, of course, you know, in a time where, Basically, if America has sports in general, it should just be gracious enough to just enjoy them and watch them. But of course, it was made into a big deal on nothing, and it just got me thinking. You know, like, like the, the MLB has to just be just desperate for viewers, anyways, regardless for having games with no, no fans in the audience and having teams like the Cardinals and Marlins having multiple positive tests of COVID and having both of them have to play eight consecutive doubleheaders to catch up with the rest of the schedule. And they're still talking about stuff, things that don't matter. Or the only people who cared about it probably died about 50 years ago. And honestly, like <laughs> in the NFL, like the unwritten rules are the, are the rules that are actually made into rules. Right. And I think a lot, I think a handful of them were made into rules on the Bengals behalf. Like whether it was the blindside block on, on Keith Rivers, whether it was the chemo the von Ole injury to Carson Palmer, whether it was the Ryan Shazier hit to Giovanni Bernard. Like, if those are unwritten rules in football, they're actually made into rules. And I just wonder how long it's going to happen with baseball and how long they're going to be able to keep this straight up if they want to continue to try to engage interest for people like me who would rather see, you know, the NBA playoffs, Damian Little hit 40-foot three-pointers, or the NFL where you have Lamar Jackson running around and scoring 50 points a game. But no, a grand slam in baseball warrants controversy.
1: You know, it's uh, – you, you and I, I don't have much – to overlap with aside from some thoughts I have on this particular instance. You know, I've coached baseball and I know a bit about uh, running up the score, quote unquote, and doing doing things the right way, the unwritten rules. Uh, I thought there was no problem with what Fernando Tatis Jr. did. Uh, and, and, you know, it's been an interesting off season, to say the least, or interesting season, rather, to say the least, with the MLB and with the pandemic and them kind of having some issues to work through with players getting COVID and everything. Uh, you know, the fact that people are making a stink about this, just not really something that you would think is, uh, should be on the, on the front burner here. But, you know, I don't have an issue with it. I was actually going to bring this up as kind of my my mic drop, but I I think Fernando Tatis has nothing really to apologize for. I I think I saw was it the same game or the next game he ended up stealing when they were up, uh, stealing third when they were up by quite a few runs as well. And it, it, here's the other thing, John. I believe when he did this, or at least the stolen base came against the Dodgers, which is a division rival. Um, so you know, I, I'm kind of like you know if you have a if you have an opportunity to. Give it to your division rival, uh, especially a heated one. I think you take that opportunity personally.
2: It's the only sport where the opposing team gets majorly butthurt about being beaten, like it, whether it's the shift or or whether it's th- things like this. Like it, it, it's it, it's 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 aggravating. Like how do you expect me to to invest in this sport when you're taking the when you're trying to say that fun should be taken away because of because of, in the terms of etiquette, like no one's getting hurt from this. Just right. let, let's let the dude hit a home run.
1: I know. It's it's the bat flip thing. It's it's all of that. Uh, I look, I, I've I've coached high school baseball, like I said, and I've I've had instances where scores have been run up on us and we ran up scores. Yeah, there's some there's some bitter feelings that happen with us, but at some point you also are competitors and you gotta say, look, same goes with football. If you don't want to get beat that bad, you better show up. You better play and you better prepare. And, uh, you know, if you don't want that guy doing that, uh, pitch better <laughs> and play defense better. I mean, they just don't let him do it. So uh, that's – that's. I agree with you, man. It's, it's kind of a ridiculous thing, and it's kind of hard to keep up with uh, what – what all, what all these rules are, what, what's, what's an unspoken rule for you in football? You mentioned a couple, what's kind of one in football? Do you you think this pertains to football and uh, running up the score? And I mean, we know Sam Weish infamously did this with Jerry Glanville years and years ago against the Oilers and they had a contentious relationship.
2: I think the, the unwritten rules in football aren't, aren't actually unwritten rules. They're just guidelines that fans of football would want their teams to follow. Like don't, punt on fourth down at your own 35-yard line or, you know, don't run on second and long or don't pay running backs. Um,
1: <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just, just,
2: <laughs> just like a bunch of just, just soft guidelines in terms of roster construction and actual trying to help the team win. I don't think there's any like actual unwritten rules in football. But again, if, if if there are things that are just frowned upon, the NFL just makes rules out of them so they can enforce them and they can get them out of the game because they're detrimental to the game itself. Like the thing, the unwritten rules in baseball don't hurt the game. It just hurts the feelings of people who grew up on the classic version of the game. that Now they're not accustomed to because new generation of players that are making the game more exciting and lively are quote unquote ruining.
1: Yeah. Well, look, Fernando Tatis, I'm sure you're listening to this program. Uh, you, you did nothing wrong man just keep doing you he's and you know what too john that that's a league that also needs star power Tatis jr is actually being a guy who becoming a player who's kind of next in line as a, as a star player behind the harpers and the trouts and all these all these guys it's a guy you don't really want to put your thumb down on and say don't be you uh so hopefully you know maybe he learned something but hopefully he continues to be himself anything else before we hop on out of here john
2: I think I just used up all my energy there.
1: Did you? You're done? Yeah. I hear you. The track you're hearing in the background is one called Membrane by, Bleed believe Sky, a hard rock band that has uh, been, a, been a partner of this show, Art is War Records. So if you can hear that in the background, you've also probably heard it in some of our uh, after audio uh, playing. So go get their record, go get their singles if you like some hard rock, a little bit of alternative, that sort of thing. For John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Kazenza. We're going to get on out of here. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. We'll see you soon.